Hello and welcome to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran. Helios Scholars at TGen is an eight-week full-time summer internship program for undergraduate and graduate students from Arizona. Working under the mentorship of TGen faculty, these 45 students conduct hands-on research in fields ranging from cancer to bioinformatics to infectious disease. In summer 2017, two Helios scholars, Hannah DeSanto and Morgan Wolfgang, interned at TGen's Center for Rare Childhood Disorders. In their spare time, they also created a podcast about one patient's experience. This is their story. Ashley, hey, do you want to sing? Let's do A, B, C. <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F. Hi, my name is Morgan. And I'm Hannah. And we are the Helios Scholar interns at Tijin Center for Rare Childhood Disorders. The Center for Rare Childhood Disorders serves children who are living with rare genetic diseases that largely remain a mystery to modern medicine. The typical patients at the center are children who experience symptoms like intellectual disabilities, motor delays, and physical abnormalities. There are 30 million Americans living with rare diseases, and statistically 50% of those people are children. This is the story of one of these families. Ashley is a 19-year-old girl, but she's lived a very different life than most girls her age. She's in a wheelchair and experiences severe intellectual disabilities, but she's still a spunky teenager in her own way. Hi, I'm Danielle. I'm Ashley's sister. I'm going into my senior year of high school. Um, Ashley's three years older than me. I, I love having Ashley as a sister. She's the most amazing, wonderful person. She is, you can hear her sighing in the background. Her family gave us a short video of Ashley in a session with her therapist. <laughs> hey. We can see that when she hears her name, the corners of her lips turn up and her eyes smile. Ashley. Days of the week. Ashley is nonverbal and can mimic the sign language back to her therapist. She has her own ways of like communicating, like through her cries and her different sounds and her blinks. Um, she has her own personality. You can tell when she's being sassy or ang she's angry at you. Hi, this is uh, Basil Pates. I'm Ashley Pates' dad. Ashley's symptoms first appeared roughly when she was about three months of age. Ashley developed a blank stare and her movement declined substantially. She began projectile vomiting and was unable to keep down breast milk or formula. At nearly five months of age, she was still at nine and ten pounds and just not keeping any nutrition down. Ashley was hospitalized to determine the cause of her symptoms and a feeding tube was inserted to help her. A series of tests were conducted, one indicating she had brain damage, but no cause could be pinpointed. Thus, the family began what we refer to as the diagnostic odyssey. We saw nutritionists, we saw neuro, we saw CT specialists at Hopkins, we saw doctors in Philadelphia, in Washington, D.C., Children's Hospital. According Hopkins to Global again. Genes, a rare disease advocacy group, rare disease patients spend an average of seven years searching for a diagnosis. During that time, they will visit eight or more specialists and be diagnosed as many as three times. Went to New Jersey, New York, you know, you name it. So probably 
25 to 30 different doctors and specialists. Through a job opportunity, the family moved to Arizona, and in 2007, a friend recommended Basil contact TGen. At that time, the institute was not working with rare diseases, but in late 2011, a doctor in Phoenix recommended the family make an appointment with a pediatric neurologist at TGen Center for Rare Childhood Disorders. I'm Vinod Narayanan. I'm the medical director for the Center for Rare Childhood Disorders at TGen. Yeah, I, I still have a very vivid memory of my first meeting with Ashley. And I started combing through years and years of records to try just to get a handle on what she has been through already. When I see children, I want to understand down to the level of the molecular pathway. What is the genetic problem? If it is a genetic problem, and even if it's not, what is the pathway that leads to the disease process? And how can we intervene? To gain a better understanding of the science behind reading DNA samples and diagnosing a child with a rare genetic disease, we talked to one of the scientists at the center, Chris Ballack. I'm a research associate too. I kind of head up the data analysis portion of it, or kind of like the detective portion of it, actually looking for genes in, in, the, in the families. We basically just start with the patient's DNA as well as their mom and dad, and we'll sequence them in a technique called whole exome sequencing. We just grab the protein coding portion of your genome. Genome is just a fancy word for all of the DNA in your body. So your genome is about, you know, X two or three billion base pairs long. About 2% of it actually codes for our protein coding genes, right? The genes that make us who we are, our eye color, hair color. Even though it is only 2% of the genome, it accounts for at least about 90% of known disease-causing variants. So we have a really high chance of discovering if it is a genetic disorder by looking at just these genes. So after blood is drawn or a cheek swab is collected, it's sent down the street to the labs at TGen. This is where Chris and his team come in. So after about three or four days of actually sequencing, we get a BCL file, which is basically just raw data right off the sequencers, completely uninterpretable unless you're a computer. So basically ones and zeros. We first want to take those ones and zeros and turn them into strips of letters, kind of like a text file, which is a bunch of A's, C's, G's, and T's. These A's, C's, G's, and T's are nitrogenous bases. They act like beads on a necklace, and when strung together, they form long strands of DNA. Using these long lists of letters, scientists can then begin to investigate the cause of the child's symptoms. We talked to the center's clinical coordinator, Carrie Ramsey, to learn more. When the scientists perform data analysis, they apply a number of filters to the data to determine if a genetic variation is pathogenic or disease-causing. One of the first things that we do is we look to see if the variant is common in some of the larger public databases. We compare our family's DNA to these large data sets and look for variants that are rare. We also use software tools to determine if the variant is predicted to be damaging to the protein that is made from that gene. We also look to see if the gene is responsible for diseases that relate to the child's symptoms. Studies show that about 80% of rare diseases are caused by genetic mutations. So that's 12 million American children who need our help. As of 2017, we've been able to sequence or read the genetic blueprints for about 425 families. The Center for Rare Childhood Disorders has been able to provide answers for about 40% of those families, which is a significant improvement over commercial labs or a typical doctor's office. 
though that offers little comfort to the families who are desperate for answers. We are currently conducting a survey to find out how a diagnosis, or lack thereof, impacts rare disease patients and families on physical, mental, financial, and emotional levels. So it definitely caused major issues in in a personal life as well as just the fear that we were going to lose Ashley and no one could tell us what was wrong with her. The functions of many genes are not yet understood, and the cause of a patient's symptoms may not be genetic in nature. But Dr. Narayanan, Carrie, Chris, and the team never give up on finding that answer. Just because we are trying to use the latest in genetic technologies, it doesn't guarantee that we'll find an answer, and there could be many reasons why. So to be the first one to describe a disease is often very, very hard. But after the first one is discovered, the second and the third become easier. And that was really what was the problem with Ashley. Her problem had never been described before. Basil and his family didn't give up either. They continued to research different possibilities for Ashley, and they checked in quarterly with Dr. Narayanan and the TGen team to see if any progress had been made. And nothing until January of 2016 when I got a call from Carrie saying, hey, you know, I think we might have something. Let's set up a meeting. Let's chat about it. As is the case with Ashley, her sequencing was completed in 2012. We periodically reanalyzed the data and in 2016 realized that a paper had been published which described a variant in the PYCR2 gene that was related to microcephaly. It was only after the publication of this recent uh, article that we were able to link Ashley's mutation with human disease. Hey. The paper had been written by Dr. Gainchwaran Mochita, a pediatric neurologist at Mass General Hospital for Children in Boston. Dr. Mochita had once been a student under Dr. Narayanan. Even though the variant that we finally settled on was in our gene list all the time, we just did not recognize it until a paper was published that described a condition called hypomyelinating leukodystrophy type 10 associated with the mutation in this thing. And then all of a sudden, just one, two, and we we said, oh, yeah, this is the problem. Uh, Today is Tuesday. Ready? Days of the week. 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 We were really lucky with Ashley's case. We were able to take a skin biopsy and grow those cells, those fibroblasts in the lab. We were able to ship them to the uh, group at Mass General Hospital in Boston. They were able to take those cells and perform functional studies and really prove that the mutation in Ashley's cells were the cause of her disease. In 2016, Ashley was one of only three children in the world to be identified with this disorder. Since then, an additional 10 children have been diagnosed. Uh, All of the other kids are in the Middle East, 10 in Egypt, one in Oman, one in Palestine, and then Ashley. They haven't found anybody else supposedly in in this part of the world. The family traveled to Boston to meet with Dr. Mochita at Mass General, where Ashley underwent an examination and they discussed next steps. Maybe they've identified a way for us to reverse some of these conditions because she was gradually getting worse where she used to crawl and walk uh, with assistance. Now 
Her hands were coiling up, her legs were coiling up, her uh, spasticity had increased tenfold. According to Global Genes, 95% of rare diseases do not have a single FDA-approved treatment option. To help kids like Ashley, TGen's Center for Rare Childhood Disorders will search for so-called orphan drugs that match the patient's molecular diagnosis. We also refer patients to outside experts on their condition. Finally, we may test experimental treatments on fibroblasts cultured from the patient's skin biopsies. And that's where we return to Ashley's little sister, Danielle. Um, so Ashley's influenced a lot of what I want to do in my life. I've worked with Dr. Naran, and I've shadowed him, and I really enjoy what he does. And neuroscience is one of my all-time favorite majors, and I'm just really intrigued about the brain. The uh, project that I'm going to have Danielle help me with when she comes back for her senior thesis project is trying to find a way of treating the problem that Ashley has. Because of the specific mutation, it gives us a specific molecular angle to attack the problem. And I'm going to have uh, Danielle see if she can demonstrate whether or not this works in cells from, that we've got from Ashley. If it works, then you know, we might even be able to give her some experimental treatment as long as we know for sure it's safe. So I think there's hope that uh, with Danielle's help, we might make an impact on her. I do know that she is motivated a lot by her own sister and to find a cure for her problem. See, I don't see it as Ashley as a burden or something to be sorry about. I love her the way she is. I would love if she could walk and talk and not be in so much pain, but when people think, oh, you have a handicapped sister, I'm like, I don't really think of it like that. She's just my sister. Uh, hey, let's say bye. Bye. I'm Morgan Wolfgang. And I'm Hannah DeSanto. And thanks for listening to the TGen Talks podcast. To learn more about TGen's Center for Rare Childhood Disorders, please visit tgen.org. Hannah is a senior business economics major at University of Arizona, and Morgan is a junior health sciences major at Arizona State University. To apply or to learn more about Helios Scholars at TGen, visit tgen.org intern. Thank you for listening to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran.